When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Reed Wilkins with you. Hope you have a great weekend planned. A lot going on in the city of Edmonton tomorrow. And, of course, we have the Stanley Cup final game number three on 630, Ched, at uh, 6 o'clock. Looks like it's going to be warm this weekend. Hope you get out and enjoy it. Of course, be safe, be smart, whatever you are doing. This portion of the show presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. Kellen Kennedy is back at the 630 Ched Palatial Broadcasting Compound. Kellen, what's on your docket this weekend? Any any uh, professional wrestling ventures? No, uh, just sitting back, relaxing. Uh, Hanging out hockey, by the pool. Yeah. You work this weekend? Yeah, I'll be here. Uh, actually, I'm running the hockey game tomorrow night, so I'm going to be really happy uh, coming in and checking out what's going on with Mike, Mike Lang and the guys from Pittsburgh. We do have the Pittsburgh feed. I've, I've, I've found Mike Lang a little uh, divides the fans a little bit. Yeah, he's. He, I could see that. But that's what happens with guys who have a unique call, right? You yeah, gotta absolutely. Love I love it. Him. I think he's got one of the best play-by-play calls in the league, in my opinion. But yeah, uh, Dan Rusinowski does the Sharks uh, broadcast. We've had his his, uh, his games on in the past, but we do have Mike Lang for mm-hmm. the uh, Cup final. All right, uh, before we bring in our, our next guest, should we tee this one up with the Connor Sheary goal again? Yeah, just let me grab that. Or do you want to do the Benino one again? Uh, They're both good. I'll grab whatever shows up. Oh, I got Sherry here. Yeah, Shiri. do Sherry. That's Order a good one. Go Bunzi by Connor Sherry. The shot by the shot by goal. Connor Sherry. All right. That is the call from Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi edition from Harnarayan Singh. And I'm glad to welcome him to the show. Harnarayan, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, great to have you on the show. Really good to uh, introduce you to our listeners, as we have done a couple of times in the playoffs because we've played your uh, your goal calls. I, I I do think the Benino one is my favorite, though it wasn't a, I guess as dramatic as the uh, as, as the as the Shiri one. Do you get a lot of people commenting on those? Oh, definitely. I mean, that has been uh, it's it's been a thrilling experience these playoffs. We really didn't know exactly what to expect with no Canadian teams. In the playoffs, as as you know, it's an anomaly, and you have to go back forty odd years until that happened the last time. Um, but thankfully, we had a good matchup with Crosby versus Ovechkin, and um, and you know, I think our show has grown now to the point where we have um, a, a more of a production team, and 
and uh, we have a person uh, dedicated to our social media. Our calls have always been quite full of energy and very, uh, you know, enthusiastic, but now we've been able to put it out there. And this is really the first time we've kind of received a lot of attention down south of the border too, especially now with this, uh, with this happening here for the city of Pittsburgh. So it's been great. Now you do the, uh, you know, you, you do sort of the drawn out thing with the guy's name, though the Benino one was a little more rapid fire. Did you have that planned for Benino in advance if he got a goal, or, did, or does it just come to you? No, it was something that was an error on my part. Actually, the backstory behind it is uh, in the Capitals uh, uh, Penguin series. Uh, there, one of the games I in my pregame notes I had or just seconds actually before going live on the air. I noticed that I had written Benino down by mistake for left wing center and right wing. And so, you know, I was laughing with my analysts. Uh, we're chuckling quietly to ourselves right as our producer was counting us down to go live on the air and we're laughing. And it was Benino, Benino, Benino. That was in front of my eyes at the time. But later on, when he scored such a big goal in that series, uh, that's what came to my head and the adrenaline was pumping and you know we we go through the pendulum swings of the game like like no tomorrow we we throw we put like you know 110% we leave everything in the call and I just went with it and uh instead of three times it was I think the first time I did it was eight uh if I can count right it was eight <laughs> Beninos and uh I had no idea at the time the call would go viral or that people you know fans in the hockey world everywhere would love it and then we had uh, we had so many requests from fans everywhere in North America asking us to repeat the call. And I was thinking to myself, well, okay, it's the Stanley Cup final. I can't do it if it's just a one nothing goal in the first period. I've, I've got to wait for him to do something big. We didn't have to wait long. Lo and behold, he scores the game winner at the end of the third period in, in game one. So it was great. Benino's been scoring some huge goals for the Penguins uh, these playoffs. Well, that was a big one. And then you had another great call in the overtime game. So you'll be doing game three, of course, uh, tomorrow. Harner Ryan, t- tell me a little bit about about your background here. How, how long have you been calling uh, the games now on the Punjabi feed? So this is the uh, ninth season. Wow. Uh, we started uh, we started the first time Detroit and Pittsburgh uh, met in the final 07-08. That was the very first games we ever did. So. I'm I'm hitting about 545 games. I've been very fortunate to be, be a part of the show, to have been a part of the show since the get-go. Um, and you know, it's it's humble beginnings. It was a CBC pilot project, and you know, the viewership and the support from the community has been has been uh, you know it leaves you speechless. And now we're with uh, Rogers, and we're we're on Omni Television, and um, you know, our show has grown where we have a pre-game and a post-game show, and the production quality has gone up so much. And I think our viewers appreciate that. Punjabi is the third most spoken language in Canada now. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are being introduced to the game through our show. A lot of families I meet who say they wouldn't have put their kids in minor hockey had it not been for our show. And, you know, a lot of people you meet at the NHL arena say that, you know, they weren't into the sport had it not been for Hockey Night Punjabi. So um, it's it's great because it's growing the sport. It's introducing it to people who might not have necessarily watched before. Um, and it's making the community feel more uh, Canadian. I, I, my my great grandfather came to Canada in 1908, and the stories he passed down of how tough it was here back then. It's such a contrast to where we are today. I mean, nothing spells multiculturalism more than having hockey in Canada broadcast in in different languages like this. 
Yeah, well, that's that's really well said. Harna Ryan Singh joining us on Inside Sports tonight, play-by-play voice for the uh, Hockey Night in Canada Punjabi feed, and, and we've been playing some of his awesome goal calls here from the Stanley Cup Final. And, I mean, that's that's a great way you put it about that connection with the game, sports being something that, that can bring people um, together and, and you know, like you said, third most spoken language. I, I guess for me, I, I mean, not that, you know, Canada's, Canada is a very ethnically diverse nation, but I always think, well, probably Toronto and Vancouver maybe have the most ethnic diversity. Is But how how is your viewership distributed? Am I reading that right, or, or is it pretty strong coast-to-coast now? Yeah, you're you're right because the you know the lower mainland of BC, um, an epicenter, and then you have Brampton in um, in Toronto, in the Toronto, Greater Toronto area, and, and and a lot of Toronto too. I mean, it's very diverse. Uh, but then after that, it's it's Calgary and Edmonton. So I mean, uh, just based on population, the numbers are are much greater, obviously, in uh, lower mainland BC and Toronto, but. You know, Calgary and Edmonton have uh, pockets of, of diversity. As you know, there's there's certain neighborhoods in, in Edmonton and the, the quadrant of the northeast in Calgary where, uh, you know, it's very diverse. And so we have we have strong followings. It, it really also just more depends on the success of the team in that city. Like our our show, when it started, it was kind of at the same time. It, it was, if you look at it, it, the Canucks kind of peaked along where we were when our show was coming up and they went to the 2011 Stanley Cup final and our show had kind of established itself within the community there and so you know I think that also helped with making you know our show very very strong and popular in the lower mainland of BC so there's a couple of things like that you know when the Oilers are you know hopefully finally get it together soon enough um, I think you know there's going to be more of an interest from the Punjabi community and in Edmonton than there is right now. Um, there is, we do have a following, but it obviously just, it depends, on, not just for Punjabi, it just depends overall on the, the team's success. Now, you were, born in El- you were born in Alberta, correct? And you basically, have you lived in Alberta pretty much all your life? I, uh, I was born in Wetaskiwin, and then all of my grade school was Brooks, Alberta. And then I went out to, um, after, um, after attending Mount Royal University for broadcast school. I went out to Toronto to work for a little bit with with uh, TSN, and then I've done the CBC gig. And then, um, yeah, now it's now it's been almost a decade doing uh, hockey night Punjabi. So through and through Albertan for sure. Yeah, that's that, that's awesome stuff. Give me a little bit about. So you mentioned your 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 grandfather was the one who came to Canada in terms of the family my, tree. Yeah, my my great grandfather came uh, way out in 1908. You, okay, so all right. So it's interesting to me. Um, what would be your, you know, the older generation? What would be their primary sport of interest? Are we talking soccer? I mean, cricket? I don't know. I, I sound like I'm saying stereotypical yeah. things here, probably. But you know what no. I mean? What's, what's no, no, it's a good question, you know, and it's one that I'm not all, all often asked. So I'm glad to. So my great grandfather came out here over a hundred years ago, but then he went back because it was tough times. He was. He was a vegetarian, and you know the the government and the things were not uh, Canada wasn't as welcoming, just to be blunt back then. And so he went back. My parents came in the '60s, and they were both teachers. Um, the thing about uh, the Punjabi community, what sport they would have, there's a certain generation. My parents' generation, they 
were into field hockey like no tomorrow. Actually, India won a number of gold medals at the Olympics in field hockey, and uh, the players that were on the field hockey team predominantly were from the state of Punjab. And, and so that's why field hockey, for a certain amount of the uh, for a certain portion of the, the older generation, they can really relate to it that way. And um, you still see a lot of people who, uh, of the older generation who say that they, you know, grew up playing field hockey and that sort of thing. Uh, then when you, when you move further down, um, there's, a, there's a wrestling sport called kabaddi, and that's played outdoors, and uh, that's quite popular. And then if you move further down, though, anybody who was born in Canada, it's ho- hockey becomes their sport, and that's how it was for me, too. Like, uh, hockey was the icebreaker for, for me and my, between me and my classmates in Brooks, Alberta. Like, my kindergarten picture, I was wearing a, a Gretzky sweater, and, um, you know, I was the kid in class writing 0 to 99 and trying to memorize as many hockey jerseys and the players' <laughs> names. And um, I, if I reflect back on it, so many of my childhood uh, relationships, friends and teachers, it was it was all about hockey. So uh, especially growing up in a town where there weren't any other visible minorities in Brooks, um, you know, the hockey was uh, a way for me to bre- break down barriers. And for, you know, my, my classmates, you know, they probably first forgot that I looked different uh, when I was chatting about hockey. So it, it is a universal force. And I think sometimes as fans of sports, we, we forget how powerful this is in, from a cultural and uh, national perspective. Yeah, really well said. I, I got to ask you here, um, I've, I've watched some of, some of your, your clips and I'm curious how much of the game, okay, you do the majority of the game obviously in Punjabi, how many English yeah. phrases or words do you have to splice in where there really isn't a a you know that type of a hockey term <laughs> you know in, yeah. in the language? Uh, it's it was, so the way we do it is the names pretty much end up uh, sounding quite similar um, unless there's a little bit of an accent placed on it. Uh, so, you know, uh, off the top of my head, um, there might be a player like, uh, you know, Voltaire, Phil, we'll say Philippola. Like, so it just rolls off the tongue a little bit differently, but it's still the same name. So you're able to pick up, if you're watching it and you don't know Punjabi, you're still able to pick up who's got the puck and things like that. But there's, we've coined a number of our own phrases. I mean, there wasn't a slap shot, so... Um, we we made a hybrid hybrid word where we used a slap to the face and then added shot on the end. So we called chapered shot, and so people love that. And now within the community, that's become like you know one of the most popular phrases. Or for the penalty box, um, you know we didn't we're not we didn't want to use box, but then we we so used uh, we translated to box of punishments with sajada dabba. So a box of punishment is what the literal translation of what we're saying would come to in English. And so, for example, icing, we use icing because um, icing, there, there, wasn't, uh, there wasn't a natural transition that way. And because it's a, it's a different, it's a unique rule in hockey, so we'll still use icing for that. But um, so it's a bit of a mix, but predominantly more uh, Punjabi is used. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I was curious about that. Which words you you, you modify and, and which you just go with the English words. So yeah, that's exactly what I was getting at. Well, I, I tell you what, we we got to do this again. I, I really appreciate that you're so generous with your time. 
you're you're a uh, you're a great success story, and uh, thanks for sharing a little bit about about your past as well, and uh, and how uh, you got from point A to, to point B. Really cool stuff. Arnold Ryan, thank you so much for your time, man. Reed, I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. That is. Harna Ryan Singh, play-by-play voice for Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi. Well, great interview. Born in Watasquin, grew up in Brooks, lives in Calgary, likes the Oilers, <laughs> and uh, uh, some awesome goal calls. Uh, Dave Campbell, the producer of the show, thanks for getting him on, Dave. Tell you what, Dave, uh, can we do a bit of an Eskimos wrap here after the break? And uh, we got some post-game, and we got Matthew Kachuk coming up as well. Inside Sports on Ched. <laughs> This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, it's 824. Reed Wilkins with you at Commonwealth Stadium. Dave Campbell here as well as the Eskimos have wrapped up their mock game. Uh, you'll hear from head coach Jason Moss, from receiver Bryant Mitchell in the last half hour of the show. We'll have an update from the NHL Combine. Jack Michael spoke to uh, Matthew Kachuk, who's probably going to go fourth, maybe third overall. He's out of the London Knights. Uh, Dave, first of all, just your uh, impression of what the players are saying after the game here. You know, I, I felt that the uh, the prevailing thought was the tempo was good. So that's something that's a positive. It's day six of training camp. Tempo looked good. Uh, effort level looked really high, and it should at this stage of training camp, of course. It's only week one. Uh, it is day six of training camp. It looked like uh, some players had some rust to knock off still, and uh, the uh, you know penalties were tough to watch at times. There were some assignment butts, uh, bust some alignment issues on both sides of the ball, on all three phases, and then there was uh, the issue of uh, there was too many drops out there, especially uh, in the early going. By it seemed like every offensive unit that took to the field, but you know there's some players that stood out. I thought uh, first of all as a unit, the first team offense. I thought looked uh, pretty good after a slow start. Riley to Bowman looks uh, like they're in, you know, they're fine. They're going to be on track. Uh, I thought Corey Watson shook off a good uh, or a tough start. He had a good showing. Um, yeah, Zilstra and Mitchell look good uh, at the receiver position. I thought Thomas DeMarco had a good start, good first half. Second half, I think he kind of dropped off a little bit. Uh, James Franklin did not have a, a particularly stellar night. Uh, neither did Jordan Lynch. Uh, the defense at times they made some plays, but uh, as Jason Moss and you'll hear him, uh, he'll he'll say, well, the, you, the film will tell the story, and there obviously will be some issues there too. So overall, this is a good barometer to see where the team is at. And right now, it's simple. It's the first week of training camp, so there's a lot of a lot of work left to do. But at least they know where they're at right now. All right. Dave, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks, Reid. All fun right. Night, fun night tonight. Yeah, fun night. Good, yeah. To, good to watch the mock game. You'll hear from a couple of the guys involved and uh, Matthew Kachuk coming up as well. The Blue Jays uh, winning tonight 5-2 over the Boston Red Sox. This is Inside Sports on Chad. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. 833, Reed Wilkins with you live at a emptied out Commonwealth Stadium. I may be the only person in the stadium. The Eskimos had their mock game. Bryant Mitchell. 
receiver standing out tonight. Here's what he had to say a few minutes ago. Just tell me about the, what it was like out there. I was fast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Coach Moss got us running fast, you know, but it was fun. You know, most of all, it was fun. How much faster was it than you've seen through the first five days of training camp? Uh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the first five days, they worked us into it, and then, you know, today it was like all go, all gas, no brakes. <laughs> it's pretty clear that's the way he wants this offense to play. I, I believe he's used the phrase, you got to be in basketball shape to play here, right? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, it's okay, though. You know, that's what we work hard in the offseason for. So, you know, thank God we came out here and, you know, we executed. Explain to me what you can, the advantage of playing that way. Uh, you know, where's the defense down? You know, it, they started off great, and, you know, and then we keep going. We keep going, and, and you know, it makes them – it really pushes them back and, and, and gives us that advantage. Coach Moss was saying a little disappointed with penalties today and execution a little bit. Yeah, we got to fix that. You know, as a team, you know, I mean, I had some myself, you know, and I take full responsibility, but as a team, we got to fix it, you know, and, and I'll do my part, at, you know, as a team player to make sure that that doesn't happen. You got your hands on the ball a couple times, a couple times in the end zone. Uh, it's a mock game, uh, but they're real catches, right? Uh, and you got to take advantage of the opportunities when you get them, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Mike and the quarterbacks did a great job. The O-line and the running backs did a good job and just, you know, allowed me to execute. Yeah. Talk about the one uh, far side uh, from DeMarco, man. Uh, the one-handed, you just rolled it in. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, you know, something that we practice, you know. But again, you know, it was the O-line, it was the running backs, you know. And DeMarco's made a great pass. And then you got another in more of the situational plays. You got one from Mike, too. So nice to take advantage of the opportunities. Yeah, you know, just to get that feel of being with Mike is also great. You know, uh, he's a great quarterback. It looks like you got a little promotion, too. You got to play some with the first first team for a while. Yeah, you know, uh, it was great. You know, I got the opportunity, and, you know, it feels good. How has camp gone for you as a whole? It's been great. You know, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be in this position, you know, uh, blessed and, and, and grateful. You know, truly grateful. You were here last year. Uh, you made it right to the very end of the camp last year, right to the end of the preseason last year. What's What did you learn last year, and what are you doing differently this year going into it? Um, I learned to be humble, just continue to be humble, you know, and to be grateful for this opportunity and just to continue to work hard. You're, I think you're one of, if not the last cut last year. Uh, how'd you spend the season? What did you do last year while, uh, while you're waiting for another year to come around? <laughs> I trained, you know, I woke up every morning 4 a.m. I trained and I worked uh, 9 to 5 and, you know, just enjoyed my family, my sons and, you know, and, <laughs> and continued that until. So you, you got up at 4, you worked out and then you went to work at 9. <laughs> yeah, well, I got up at 4. Uh, you know, went to work out about 5, was done about 7.30, worked at 8, yeah. you know, or, or 9 some days. So, that's yeah. that's dedication. I guess that obviously <laughs> tells me that you still want this. Right? Yeah, I love this sport. You know, I love the game. I love the Canadian game. It's so fun. You know, so just to be out here is just, yeah. like I said, it's a blessing. Yeah. What do you love about the game? It's fast, you know, and, it, and it's geared towards the, the wideouts. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, we're going to pass the ball, and I love that about it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, if you get the speed, you can get the separation, you're going to get the football. Right? <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Preseason game is coming up a week away from that. I guess you're looking to take the next step there and, and make make them notice you. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, last year, you know, I had the opportunity, and this year I want to, you know, change change history, you know, and actually make this team. So thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Well, we'll follow that young man, Bryant Mitchell. Big night today at the uh, Eskimos mock game. Couple of touchdowns. Couple of really nice catches. He did have a one-hander on a deep pattern where he reached out to reel it in, kept his balance, and and took it to the end zone. So, yeah. I mean, maybe there is that out of nowhere guy you don't expect, like Darrell Walker, who could help out the team this year. Overall, how did Jason Moss, head coach, feel about the mock game? 
Well, overall, what was your uh, what was your thought on what happened here tonight? Um, you know what? I mean, I'd like to reserve my judgments. I'll have to watch the film, but my first initial thoughts is way too many penalties yeah. and a little bit sloppy in execution. But that's five days in. First time we've had a whole slew of referees out here. Uh, we ran, you know, everything we wanted to run with a whole bunch, with a couple different groups of guys. So, you know, I, I'm not too disappointed, uh, but at the same time, I know we have lots to work on, lots to clean up. But that's one of the reasons we did it. We wanted to see what a game was like, game speed, game tempo. Um, you know, see how tired we can get from doing specials and doing the whole whole gamut. So, you know, um, excited to watch the film and get better from it, but knowing that we have lots to work on. So you're the offensive coordinator. It was a slow start, it seemed like, for everybody. And then Thomas DeMarco comes out and has a good drive, and that seemed to kind of spark every other unit. But what was uh, the offense? I guess, you know, it's early, so you're going to expect some some yeah. difficulties. But when they, when they got going, what did you think? Well, I mean, the thing about offense is it takes 12 guys to execute it. So between penalties, between drops, that's what generally slows an offense down. And then lack of execution, a breakdown mentally here and there, which we did have uh, the first few drives. I, I did get to see that from sidelines. You know, but uh, offense is all about execution. It takes 12 guys to do it. And so the longer you're with group, longer, more practices you get under your belt, the better you understand you have of the offense, the better you're going to execute. Right now we're, we're not up to snuff. And uh, it's showed show today. But at the same time, like I said, I'm not discouraged. It's five days into a camp. It's a long camp, and we still have plenty of time, a time to work on it to correct it. Good exercise, though, to know what, you know, kind of get the barometer of your team and where you're at with the, you know, in the preparation. Yeah, the, the, the compete level is what you want. I know we're athletic. I know we're strong. I know we're fast, all those things. Now it's just a matter about coming together as a group, getting better, learning from this, uh, you know, and be coachable. And I think it, it, that's what we have in the room. You know, we just, bottom line, got to get better. And uh, if anything proved that today, to me, that, that's what it is. You improve on the penalties and improve on the, the turnovers and, and drops. I mean, that's what we got to do better offensively. Defensively, you know, they fly around. I mean, that's the bottom line. But I'm sure, you know, after Benny watches it, there'll be things that they need to correct as well. It's tough. It's tough on a defense going into a scrimmage like this, not being able to get to the quarterback and hit yeah. the quarterback and be physical as they want to be. I know what kind of group we have on defense, and they're going to prove that come next week. I think everyone's anticipating, I'm sure you are too, eight nights from now. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and we were chomping at the bit to hit, hit somebody else other than ourselves to kind of go out there and see what kind of team we do have, let the, let the guys loose um, to do what they do best. And so, you know, I know they're always going to, it's always going to be harder on the defense going into something like this, but they're definitely looking forward to next week. I know that. All right. So the, or the Eskimos have fan day tomorrow, one o'clock at Clark Stadium at Clark Park, uh, 1 to 3 on the field, interaction with fans from 3 to 4, and the Eskimo show on 6.30, Chet, from 3 to 4 tomorrow afternoon. So that's going to be fun. Head coach Jason Moss saying not too disappointed, but too many penalties today. There was a referee crew, an officiating crew on the field, and uh, some sloppy execution. Uh, but again, some guys did stand out. Good day for quarterback Thomas DeMarco as well. All right. Well, when we get back, you'll hear from uh, one of the big guys going into this year's NHL draft, Matthew Kachuk, when Inside Sports continues. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Final show of the week, no show Monday. We'll have game four of the Stanley Cup final. Inside Sports will return at 6 o'clock on Tuesday. Hope to talk to you then as we wind it down tonight from Commonwealth Stadium. It's 844. Reed Wilkins with you. 
Dave Campbell and Morley Scott were here. You heard some post-game interviews they did after the Edmonton Eskimos mock game. Of course, more coverage of the green and gold on 630ched.com. Kellen Kennedy back at the studio. Okay, Kellen, so yeah, people are, are tweeting me a little bit because Bob was uh, speculating some stuff. Do you have that clip where I asked him to clarify what he was saying about the uh, $6 million guys? Yes, sir. Let's okay, hear it right now. Yeah. I, no, I said there. Yeah, it would not. I said it would not surprise me if there's better than a 50% chance that one of Paul or, or Nugent Hopkins goes. And I would have Everly at below 20%. I think I said 15, but I'd say, say below 20. I'd say right now that it's. Now think about it. If it's a 50% chance that Hall and Nugent Hopkins goes, it's only. Does that make it only a 25% chance really that one of them goes? If I'm saying combined, it's a 50% chance that I just. I think, put it this way, there's more interest in Hall and Nugent Hopkins than there is in Jordan, and Jordan also found a bit of a niche for himself playing with Connor McDavid. And the Oilers are light on the right side as well. That's the other thing to factor in, especially if they, you know, honor the request made by Neil Yakupov's agent, Igor Larionov, to move him out of Evans. All right, so... I mean, look, it, it's speculation season, so, you know, let's not get too caught up in anything. But Bob's saying it. At first he said better than a 50% chance that one of uh, Nugent Hopkins or Hall uh, gets traded and then kind of said 50% later in the clip and, and, you know, maybe less than 20% chance everybody goes. I mean, look, it, there's so many moving parts at this time of season. Those percentages could could change so uh, so drastically that – I mean, who knows? I mean, look, I, 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 to me, it makes sense from a forward core perspective to try and shop Jordan Eberle. From just a right wing side perspective, which is what Bob is getting to, I mean, if Eberle goes out, then you have to find. To me, you got to find a right winger, right? Even if you move Drysaitel there, because I don't think Yakupov is going to be on this team. So, uh, all of you are right. A couple of people have said tonight, don't talk about the forwards, just talk about the defense. Okay, fair enough. Forwards aren't good enough. Forward core as a whole isn't good enough. There's not enough grit. There's not enough territory. Um, I know Jonathan Willis has done some work tonight saying that if you're looking at points per 60 minutes, Benoit Pouliot is more productive than Milan Lucic, assuming that Lucic would wind up being an oiler or whatever. Um... But why does Lucic, if you look at their careers historically, why does Lucic usually play more per game? Almost every season they've both been in the NHL. Well, clearly coaches see some kind of impact beyond points, so he gets on the ice more. So much so much to talk about, um, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. Shirelli, he's, he's going to shake it up. He's going to move the pick, or he's going to move one of the $6 million guys, or two, or move the pick and one of the guys because this is a team that has been in the bottom six in the league in the last seven years, and they've been in the bottom three, six of the last seven years, so you got to change something. Will Matthew Kachuk be an Edmonton Oiler? Will he go fourth overall, or will he go third? Jack Michaels talked to him at the Combine in Buffalo today. When you think back on it, what was the biggest challenge about playing through your injury, not physically, but mentally? Uh, you can't let it bother you mentally, and um, I, I try not to let it happen. Try not to miss any games because of it, because you know you can't give up on your teammates. They played you know, 80 games for you this year, and, and it's time for you to dig down deep and play for them. And um, you know it, it's it was painful, but um, you know it's something that 
I don't regret doing because we're champions now, and um, you know, all the guys, you know, I, I want to do it for them. Now that you've come through it, do you come out on the other side almost a, a different player again? Not necessarily physically, but mentally, knowing you've overcome a, a pretty significant hurdle. Yeah, um, no, I just try not to think about like you can't think about the injury holding you back. It's it's all about your mindset, and I just had the mindset that nothing's wrong with me, and go out there and play your game and help this team win. You're thought of as a riser. What does that say about what you've accomplished over the last couple of months when you hear that, that your stock is quote-unquote rising? Um, you know, I never, I've never even thought about my stock throughout the whole year. It's, it's, it's not about rising or falling. It's about just continuing to get better. And, and if that means rising, that's, that's what I want to do. And, um, you know, I, I'm happy that my hard work and, you know, dedication and drive is, you know, maybe paying off a little bit. Can you pinpoint an area where you've come the furthest, maybe from the start of this season to now? Um, just my all-around, you know, defensive game, and and coach Coach Dale Hunter put me in situations to succeed, and he uh, he had me out there at the end of games, and um, whether it was for you know three four minutes, I was protecting a lead. He, he had the trust in me, and it really gained a lot of confidence in myself. With the gamut of interviews, did anything stick out, either a question or a team uh, conversation that went particularly well? No, um, you know, you get you get a certain amount of teams that want to interview with you, and and they're obviously all interested. And um, you know who knows where it's going to go from now, but um, hopefully um, my year would speak for itself. And um, you know I hope my hope they will in my interviews. And um, I thought you know we kept the mood light in all of them, and, and we had some fun. To what degree are you just mentally fried right now, having coming off in a long season and then right into this cycle? Yeah, um, it's, it doesn't give you a, a long time to you know relax, but um, I, that's the way I like it. I'm a kid that's always energetic and want to keep doing stuff. And um, I'm like, I can't wait to work out in 10 days and start my summer program. All right, there is Matthew Kachuk, uh, the game winner in the final at the Memorial Cup. Uh, really, I mean, like he'd already impressed a lot of people, but his performance in that tournament, playing with the ankle issue, helping his uh, stock perhaps even more. I mean, there, there's the, I mean, Matthew's one, line A2. That seems like a slam dunk at this point. So now... Now, you might be, what if Kachuk goes three? What if the Oilers are still holding the fourth pick and Kachuk goes three? Do they really want Pugliarvi? You would, you would think so. Uh, it, it's been interesting what's happened with that number two slot. If you remember, I mean, Matthews, okay, has been number one for, heck, three years, right? Two or two or three years. It's like Matthews is going to go number one in 2016. The defenseman from Sarnia, Jacob Chikrin, some people, some of he, he's number two. Then Pugliarvi was number two. And then, then now Line is number two and appears to be in there. Uh, so is, is Kachuk going to be number three? Is Kachuk going to be number four? Which defenseman is going to go first if the Oilers move down? Which defenseman would they take? Would they take Sergachev? Would they take Uelevi? It, it's, it's really interesting, all the moving parts this season. And it is interesting, the Oilers being at number four, because we're used to them being at number one four times in the previous six years, where they determined it. And even though maybe you weren't sure who they were going to take, there there was no debate that, that they were they were taking it. I mean, maybe there was some discussion about trading the pick in the, in the Yakupov year. Well, that, I mean, that was the one maybe, especially when you look back on it, but um, so anyway, it's, there is, there is so much that could happen with the Oilers this season. And I mean, Bob said that about, which of the, the $6 million guys could be traded in the percentages. Look, we could do that interview again tomorrow and it, and it could be totally different. And, all we again, all we have right now is the speculation. So, 
you know, Pierre Lebrun reports that Lucic would be, what was the wording he used? Open and warm. And I, I just love, even this is kind of vague, open and warm to the idea of an offer from his former GM, Peter Shirelli in Edmonton. So is he is he open and warm to an offer or just the idea of an offer? But maybe the, I mean, I mean you can just get into almost over-interpreting some of the stuff as we move along. I think, I mean, look, obviously Lucic improves the Oilers. I, I do think despite some of the stats for points per 60 minutes, I do think Lucic has more of a consistent impact on game as compared to Benoit Pouliot. And I like Pouliot for the most part for what he's done as an Edmonton Oilers. I I do find with some of the analytics, I I really think that they're interesting. And I I do think some of them are, are, you got to take with a grain of salt. The thing about the points per 60 minutes is nobody plays 60 minutes, right? So it's like a few years ago, Somebody did, Albert Pujols had had one of his big seasons with the St. Louis Cardinals. And it was like, well, if you had nine Albert Pujols in your lineup, they'd score 27 runs a game or 22 or something like that. Okay, fair enough. But Albert Pujols doesn't get to bat nine times in a row, right? You're not adding Pugliot and Lucic to your team, and they're both playing 60 minutes. So I understand why that is used as a gauge. So Pugliot's points per 60 minutes are higher than Milan Lucic's. Okay, fair enough then why, at almost every season in their careers, has Lucic played more minutes in a game? I mean, certainly coaches have those stats. Yet, they've often decided, and I know it's been different coaches, though one year they were on the same team in Boston, and Lucic played about five minutes per game more, yet the coaches already decided, I want Lucic on the ice more than Pouliot, even though maybe there's a slightly greater chance of Pouliot actually getting a point. you got to ask yourself that. Is that grit? Is that heart? Is that consistency? Is that fortune? You know, whatever. Something that it's obviously something that doesn't show up on the score sheet. Pouliot's been good. Pouliot got to play with McDavid. That would have helped his points per 60 minutes. Obviously, this past season, um, Pouliot did not stay uh, healthy. His two seasons with the Oilers, Lucic for most of his career has been able to play uh, close to entire seasons. And Lucic this weekend could resign with the Los Angeles Kings. And. <laughs> And then what are we talking about? Inside Sports has been presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. 8.55, Kellen Kennedy back at the studio. Uh, 5-2, the Blue Jays win tonight. Was it 5-2 or 5-3, Kellen? I lost my... 5-2. 5-2, the Blue Jays win tonight over the Boston Red Sox. Good outing tonight by uh, R.A. Dickey. Of course, some tough news concerning the greatest. Muhammad Ali, uh, respiratory issue, uh, 74 years of age, reportedly on life support. And uh, not looking good for that great man, one of the legends of the sporting world all time. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. We've been live from Commonwealth Stadium for the Eskimos mock game. You heard from Jason Moss. You heard from receiver Bryant Mitchell. You also heard from London Knights forward Matthew Kachuk, Punjabi play-by-play voice from Hockey Night in Canada. Harna Ryan Singh was on the show. Dan Rusinowski, play-by-play voice for the San Jose Sharks. Bob Stoffer joined us. And uh, Len Rhodes, president and CEO of the Edmonton Eskimos. Thanks to Morley Scott and Dave Campbell for their help as well here from the stadium. So tomorrow, 6 o'clock. Game three of the Stanley Cup final. Can the Sharks get back in it? They are down 2 0 to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Better watch for that faceoff cheating tomorrow night. Tomash Hurdle dealing with uh, some issues for the San Jose Sharks, but Dan Rusinowski believes he's going to play. Game uh, four of the series we'll have on Monday, the next edition of Inside Sports coming up on Tuesday. 
Thanks to Kellen Kennedy. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you soon. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.